The United States has a Secretary of Agriculture, a Secretary of the Interior, a Secretary of Energy, and a Secretary of the Environment, who is technically called the Administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. That's pretty typical to have these different agencies doing different things. Germany, for example, has a Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy, a Ministry of Food and Agriculture, and a Ministry of the Environment, Nature, Conservation, and Nuclear Safety. They rarely do just one thing, these different ministries and agencies, and they all have different amounts of clout, based in part on whether they cost or generate money or power. And environment is usually the odd man out. But there are exceptions. Este año está por terminar. Ha sido un año de mucho trabajo. This is Costa Rican President Carlos Alvarado Quesada, looking back on the year 2019 and ahead to the year 2020. This is his wife, Claudia Dobles Carmago. She's not just Costa Rica's first lady, she's an accomplished architect and urban planner in her own right. In 2019, she's explaining here, Costa Rica was recognized by the United Nations for its achievements in environmental activism and leadership in the fight against the climate crisis. It's true. You can Google it. Last year, Costa Rica launched its 30-year decarbonization plan, which calls for zero-net greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. To achieve that, the country will shift completely away from fossil fuels, completely away, to clean energy while revitalizing its forests, farms, and fields. And it will do so while improving its economy. Now, I know what you're thinking. 2050 is 30 years away and talk is cheap, right? Well, guess what? The country's electrical grid already runs on 99% renewable energy because the country has been working towards this for almost 20 years. And today's guest is a key part of its success. Carlos Manuel Rodriguez was Costa Rica's Minister of Environment from 2002 through to 2006, and he returned to the post in April of 2018. Now, in Costa Rica, the Minister of Environment is actually the Minister of Environment, Energy, and Telecommunications. Environment and Energy Together. This could be a recipe for disaster if the hunger for cheap energy or massive income streams from oil trumps the need for clean air, clean water, and clean food. But in Costa Rica, that has not been the case. Nor has Costa Rica sacrificed economic growth to have its clean air, clean water, and clean food. Instead, it's managed to deliver both. One way, and only one of several ways I should make very clear here, is by paying landowners to protect forests based on the ecosystem services that those forests provide. Now, ecosystem services are things like regulating water flows, which wetlands and forests do, or mopping up greenhouse gases, or providing habitat for endangered species. All of these are services that nature provides free of charge, and paying people to maintain these ecosystem services is called, logically enough, Payments for Ecosystem Services, or PES. Carlos Manuel Rodriguez helped Costa Rica implement its PES program in 1997. 
and the country's forest cover has roughly tripled since then. You may recognize his name. Again, it's Carlos Manuel Rodriguez from my three-part series, Forests in the Paris Climate Agreement, which comprises episodes 49, 50, and 51 of Bionic Planet. That's because he was, in fact, instrumental in getting forests into the Paris Agreement, and today we'll hear how little Costa Rica has been able to not only save but expand its forests and do so while growing its economy at the same time, something that the current leadership in countries like Brazil and my own country, the United States, will insist is impossible. Man may be unwittingly changing the world's climate through the waste products of his civilization. There's a group of us now who are proposing that the Earth has actually entered a new epoch, and that is the Anthropocene. We know that the enemy is carbon, and we know its ugly face. We should put a big fat price on it, and of course, add to that, drop the subsidies. Earth. We broke it, we own it. And nothing is as it was. Not the trees, not the seas, not the forests, farms, or fields. And not the global economy that depends on all of these. But we can restore it, make it better, greener, more resilient, more sustainable. But how? Technology? Geoengineering? Are we doomed to live on a bionic planet? Or is nature herself the answer? That's the question we address in every episode of Bionic Planet, a podcast of the Anthropocene, the new epoch defined by man's impact on Earth. And today we examine that impact through the lens of good government and see how little Costa Rica managed to save its forests and grow its economy in part by coordinating efforts to develop its energy systems while improving its environmental resilience. I caught up to Carlos Manuel Rodriguez over a year ago on a street corner in San Francisco. I'd initially planned to blend this interview into a larger package, but haven't had the bandwidth to do so. Now, the biggest complaint I get from listeners is that I don't produce enough episodes. And it's true, I don't. I really should produce more, and I would produce more if I could pay a producer to help out and also pay someone to take on some of my other tasks at Ecosystem Marketplace. If you find yourself liking this show and you want to hear more and better episodes, then become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionic planet. That's patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash bionic planet. There you can support me for as little as $1 per episode and with a monthly cap. If you're already supporting me on the legacy system, you can stay there. But Patreon offers you the ability to pay per episode instead of per month. Now, when I caught up to Rodriguez, I was really curious about whether the blending of these disparate ministries made for a more effective operation and if it was because of synergies among the various regulatory bodies. Um, this is not a matter of synergies. This is a, mar- a matter of coherence. And one of our major challenges in terms of global forest conservation is the lack of uh, political coherence. You, you know, you, in many countries you, f- you find ministers of environment really committed to protect nature, but the rest of the political forces or interest groups are not much committed and they want, you know, 
prosperity based on business as usual. That's a good example of lack of political coherence. The basic principle that I've been promoting is based on the fact that we won't make the, the leap forward or the major changes without doing the structural reforms from the institutional point of view. If we keep on organizing our government based on sectors and then and commit to manage landscapes in a coherent manner, we will fail. Because the structure, I mean the policy making processes, the structure is designed to work on silos or in sector in terms of in, in an integrated manner. And this is what we need. Costa Rica has been a good example in terms of forest conservation and forest restoration on how to do the, the institutional approach. Mm -hmm. Can you give me one example of something where a decision regarding the forest was made in a way that respected or yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I can give you many. Yeah, okay. So let me let me talk about something very simple but nevertheless very important. You know, forest services. Forest services are the the forest agency at the country level responsible for sustainable logging and management and conservation. It, uh, in many places, the forest agency is located in the Ministry of Agriculture. In other places, the Forest Service is located in the Ministry of Environment. So there's a big difference on how those agencies can be run and managed based on where they are located. Normally, if you got a forest service in the Ministry of, of Agriculture, the forest of that country will be managed based on just one service, which is timber. So the forest is equal just to timber as opposed to a forest service which is located in the Ministry of Environment, they see the forest more in a more integrated manner. They don't just see timber, they see non-timber products, they see environmental services, they see carbon stocks, they see it in a very different manner. That means that those forests, based on that infrastructure, institutional infrastructure, those forests will be managed because of the integrated services they provide as opposed to a forest service in the Ministry of Agriculture. So we need to move forest services from agriculture towards environment, doing a leap forward from the institutional point of view because we need more integrated management at the landscape level. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. It's called the Ministry of Environment, Energy, and Telecommunications, right? Is that the name no, of it? Uh, no, no the, the, the name is Ministry of Environment and Energy, okay. but it includes mines, energy, water, and natural resources. And it's interesting to look at the diversity of these agencies you had. You had uh, mining was in there, hydrocarbons, weather. You also had joint implementation yeah. in there. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, the, this is you know, what I've been expressing here, that Costa Rica has been building this institutional agency that is responsible for all, na all natural resources related management. Uh, that meant that we did a work throughout the central government brought into the Ministry of Environment all the small, medium, and large agencies that are responsible in the management of natural resources. And even those natural resources which are non-renewable, like mm -hmm. you know, oil and gas and minerals. So we brought them into the Ministry of Environment and by having them there, we had the possibility, we got a better chance, a higher possibility to do better planning and developing more coherent landscape-based uh, policies. Mm -hmm. When exactly did the consolidation take place? That consolidation took a lot of time because it was a learning by doing process. It began in 1986 when we put environment and energy together. And then we began putting and bringing more 
of the other agencies and responsibilities into the ministry. Then when, you know, when we realized what we were doing and we began, you know, more focused, well-planned process. And now the Ministry of Environment is extremely powerful, very mm -hmm. influential. Mm -hmm. So the Minister of Environment in Costa Rica is way more influential and powerful that any other minister of environment in Latin America. You guys were famous a few years back, about 10 years ago, I think, when uh, the the president said that he was he was looking to see if com if countries would fund him keeping the oil in the ground under the I forget which natural resource yeah. area that was. But that was Ecuador, not Costa Rica. That was Ecuador. Oh, not Jesus. Ugh, that's embarrassing, especially since I covered the Yasuni project in real time. But that's the peril of conducting these interviews on the fly like this, something I really wouldn't have to do as often if I had more funding, because then I'd be able to prep for every interview I do. So if you want to help me avoid mistakes like this, then become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionicplanet. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash bionic planet there you can support me for as little as one dollar per episode and with a monthly cap and let me earn that payment right now by giving you a little background on the yasuni project the yasuni national park is a 10,000 square kilometer or about 6,000 square mile rainforest right on the equator in ecuador and it's sitting on a giant pool of oil the government has been letting oil companies drill there for decades, but they calculate that they can earn about $2.4 billion more per year by expanding into new areas. About seven years ago, then-President Rafael Correa gave wealthy countries a chance to put their money where their mouths are. You know, we're always telling these countries that they need to stop chopping their forests, and he essentially said, tell you what, you pay Ecuador $3.6 billion and we'll leave about 846 million barrels of oil permanently in the ground. Now that much oil will release about 400 million metric tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So in carbon market terms, that was a pretty fair price, about $6 per ton of carbon dioxide kept out of the atmosphere. Remember, every ton emitted will generate about $100 per ton in future damages, as we saw in episode one of Bionic Planet. As it turned out, the world wasn't ready to pay even $6 per ton, and drilling went ahead. But let me, talk, let me talk about that. That was a very great initiative and commitment by Ecuador that we all follow up very well. There's the Yasuni National Park, yes. and beneath Yasuni National Park, there's this huge oil reservoir. So the president challenged mm -hmm. the international community. If you want to... You know, if you want a tropical forest conservation, why don't you put the, the money where your mouth is and compensate us for not being able to access that? Unfortunately, uh, the government of Ecuador didn't give the security for large investments from uh, other developed industrialized nations. But the concept is a very interesting one, a concept that Costa Rica has been used in order to do compensation or, or payment for environmental services to private owners of forests. So we do it at the national level. We do payments for 
tuna to small farmers, indigenous communities owning forests based on the carbon services they provide. And where does the money come from? The money comes from a carbon tax. Costa Rica was the first uh, tropical country to put a tax on fossil fuels and generates a fund that does uh, payments for those people that, that own forests based on the carbon stocks or the carbon that being offset by restoration projects. Mm -hmm. And so, so this money is all coming from within Costa Rica. Yeah, it's a domestic, uh, it's a domestic source. Yeah, this this is a good example of of how countries can mobilize domestic resources to achieve their uh, climate targets or even the bi biodiversity targets. Let me just cut in to differentiate this income from Red Plus, which I've covered a lot on this show. Red Plus stands for reducing emissions from deforestation and degradation plus enhancement of carbon stocks. Within the Paris Agreement, Red Plus usually refers to international payments to support forests. But Rodriguez here is talking about domestic payments from within the country to pay for protecting its own forests. If you continue destroying your forest, which means you're losing your natural capital, this means you're losing the money you got in the bank account. What happens if you lose all of your money that you got in the bank? Mm -hmm. That is what is happening to all countries when they're losing their forests. Mm -hmm. Costa Rica understood that and designed policies, financial schemes, uh, by which we began turning around the economic system by which now more a big chunk or part of our economy depends on forest mm -hmm. and restoration and biodiversity and, and this sector is ecotourism. Ecotourism generates 3.5 billion dollars a year has been a main source of growth and development and they relay uh, on force and protecting areas. So it's a very easy equation. Many countries have tried yeah. with different levels of success. This model in Costa Rica has worked very well. I know a lot of people are retiring to Costa Rica from the U.S. They can't wait to move down there. It sounds like a great place to live. Well, there are more Americans living in the U.S. than Costa Rican living in, in, in America. So that's, wow. that's something interesting to understand. All environmental challenges are, at heart, economic challenges. Basically, more money flows into activities that destroy nature than into activities that restore it. And we're talking about 140 times as much. In a lot of countries, most in fact, a good chunk of that destructive money comes from government subsidies, which means you often have governments and the private sector paying people millions to destroy the forest on one hand and paying them mere thousands to save it on the other hand. I asked Rodriguez where Costa Rica's bad money was coming from. It is all finance and particularly it is mainly private finance. Okay. This is the ag sector investing in you know, soybean, um, so mm -hmm. okay. cattle ranching, I mean, okay. the and things we know. How can you reduce Reduce that because you've got entrenched interest. Well, in you need to make forest-related activities more pr profitable than those uh, 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 agricultural activities. And I will say that uh, as we generate more science in terms of uh, soil conservation and soil uh, sciences, we will know better how sustainable those intensive agricultural activities are. So we need to generate the proper incentives by which we need to fully reflect in those investments 
the environmental costs and benefits. So if we if we level the economic playing field, we will dramatically change those negative investments and will become more positive investment in terms of human development and climate uh, mitigation. Okay, great. Anything else you wanted to add in here? Oh, thank you for the opportunity to be here and express some of the experiences that we had had in Costa Rica. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Have a good day. You too. Carlos Manuel Rodriguez wrapping up this edition of Bionic Planet. If you like Bionic Planet and you want more and better episodes, then you can help me generate them by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionic planet. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Bionic Planet, all one word, no dots or dashes. There you can support me for as little as $1 per episode and with a monthly cap. The address again is patreon.com forward slash Bionic Planet. Of course, you can also help just by accessing me through the right podcatcher, namely access me through the Radio Public app. That's Radio Public, like public radio, but backwards. They automatically pay me a few cents for every listener who hears the show to the end, and that adds up. Finally, you can help just by giving me a five-star review on whichever podcatcher you hear me through. That helps because the more stars I get, the more ears I get. And the more ears I get, the more minds I can reach. And we have to reach hundreds of millions of minds if we're to meet this challenge. We can do it if we all work together. And that wraps up today's show. Until next time, I'm Steve Zwick in Chicago. Thanks for listening.